was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was asleep to sin, Jesus died. this morning we're going to sing a newer song and in first peter 2 9 the word of the lord says but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of god once you were not have not received mercy but now you have received mercy so this morning i want you to know that you are a chosen people and a holy priesthood we're gonna sing a song that talks about surrender and re-surrender. And so this morning as we worship, let's, let's sing that, let's, let's declare that, amen. Thank you, Jesus, we worship you. Thank you, Father. You're turning over tables and calling for return for our lives upon the altar the things 
We surrender. 
singing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. God, we just, uh, as we pray, we just continue to say yes to you, to welcome you. We declare our allegiance to you. We say that you are our King and our Lord and our leader, our Savior, our Redeemer, the one who forgives our sin 
and gives us new life, salvation in you, Lord God. We thank you for those truths, Lord God, for the reality of those truths that we get to live here and now, Lord, and into all of eternity, Lord. Thank you that your grace is sufficient, Lord. You are so good to us, Lord. I, I pray today that where we're struggling with faith, God, that we would get a, a fresh glimpse of your goodness, Lord. God, that that fresh glimpse of your presence would drown out everything else that's pulling at us and causing doubt and uh, insecurities or whatever, Lord God. We just invite you to do wonderful and profound and supernatural things. So Lord, as we open up Hebrews chapter nine today, as we allow your spirit to teach us and as we avail ourselves to your truth, God, help us to receive what you have for us, to allow it to sink deep within our hearts and minds, deep within our understanding, and, and then help us to just live it out and, and uh, by faith believe, God, that it's all true and it's all good and it's all right and, and you're good and you're true and you're right, Lord. So build us up in our most holy faith, we pray. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn and greet someone that you never have greeted before. <laughs> How you doing, man? Carl. Carl, see Welcome, welcome, welcome. Man, we just had the greatest time after the first service at the new open house. How many remember that we've got an open house after second service? It's gonna be so good. It's, um, yeah, there's great progress being made next door after like 10 months of just working, working, working. But I, you know, I just talked with um, a gal who just, who works at Lifeline Crisis Pregnancy Center, and they just opened up their new space in, the, in, uh, in Grover Beach, and they took two years to build that out. So if we're a year all total in this one, man, it's, it's, that's really actually pretty, pretty good and pretty quick. So check it out. I think all the drywall's just about done. Um, they've got to do a little bit of work, but uh, next week the drywall will get primed, and then the trim will start. Doors will be installed, baseboards, trim around the windows, and then once that's done, the paint will go, and that will take a couple weeks. And then the floors go down, and uh, 
And then we start just putting in all the lights that need to go up and uh, switch plates and plugs and uh, all the tech stuff, all this stuff, you know, has to go up. And so we are making really, really good progress. So go check it out after second service. And uh, thanks for continuing to pray. I tell you, it's been quite a journey since March last year. And we're just excited to see what God will do to bring that thing to fruition. Everybody, anybody ready for that thing to be done? I know I, I'm totally ready for that thing to be done. Uh, but it's like anything, you just, it, you know, you do it. All these buildings we've had to renovate and they take months and, and then when they're done, you feel like, oh, it's, it's kind of like childbirth. You forget all about it. It wasn't that bad, right? It wasn't that hard. Let's do it again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Speaking of childbirth, my um, oldest daughter is expecting her fifth child. So Caitlin and Logan, they have three little boys and a little precious girl. They're all precious, but... Uh, if you look at her, she's got this little punch right here, and so she's ready to pop in the summertime, I think July or so. She's going to be giving us our sixth grandchild, and so we're super excited about that, and uh, it's just really good. Uh, Jedediah, one of their kids, just turned seven uh, this last week. We had a birthday party for him on Friday, and he got a joke book, so that means, you know what that means, right? He got a joke book, so that means I finally have fresh material. <laughs> So, I've actually got two jokes. I think I'll just save, I'll do one this week because they're hard to come by, so then I'll do the next one next week. And then I don't know how long I'll have until I get another good one, but um, knock, knock. Alaska? I'll ask the questions around here. <laughs> totally crazy, kind of silly. But if you're seven years old, those kids go into a belly laugh thinking about those jokes, so... <laughs> oh, mercy. So we're in Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to get through Hebrews chapter 9. And then next week, I'm going to do my very best to get through all the way through Hebrews chapter 10. And we're just going to continue to watch the Lord teach us. And uh, today, we're going to learn what is God's good and perfect will. What is God's good and perfect will? So we're talking about macro, pic big picture. What is God's good and perfect will for humanity? What does he want for us as his church? And so we'll unpack that today. Up to this point, we've talked pretty extensively about the new covenant in Christ, defending the superiority of the new covenant compared to the old covenant. Hebrews is written to a group of people who were questioning whether Jesus was truly the Messiah. They had committed their lives to Jesus, but then just through cultural pressure, life that hits us, they begin to, to question and doubt and, and kind of backslide into their old way of relating to God, their old way of living. And what I think as 21st century Christians, we can relate to that. Sometimes we just go through hard stuff and we begin to question Jesus, question his goodness, question the reality of his plan and all of those things. Then we begin to maybe backslide into things that... Um, uh, that are just not good for us, just not healthy. Um, I was gonna share this uh, later in the sermon, but I'll, I'll share it now. I was reading in Exodus 15 this morning, and Exodus 15 is this text where the people of Israel had left Egypt. They're on their way out, and they come up against the Red Sea, and they're starting to get nervous, and Moses is like, Lord, what do we do? And the Lord said, just get moving. And so he lifted his arms in the Red Sea. The east wind began to blow and just created this opening in the Red Sea so they passed through on dry ground. And so these millions of 
Israelites are passing through the Red Sea on dry ground, and they get to the other side, and the Egyptians are following them. And, um, but even as the Egyptians were on the dry ground in the midst of the Red Sea, God caused the water to crash down over them and drowned all their enemies and that sort of thing. And so the Israelites were so ecstatic, as you can imagine. They thought they were done. They thought they were dead. And God rescued them. And so they celebrated. And you, as you read, they, they wrote songs to God about his faithfulness, about his power, about his goodness. And they're spending all this time just glorifying God because of the the miracle that just took place and the deliverance that they just experienced. So then Moses leads them out into the wilderness and for three days they can't find water. So on the third day, they're starting to grumble and complain, wondering, why God, why Moses, did you bring us out here to die? And they just start grumbling and complaining. I thought, this is human nature right here. <laughs> One moment, we're so excited about God and we're celebrating his faithfulness and his goodness. And it doesn't take long, but just a few days maybe of some challenging circumstances, difficulties, and we begin to question, and we begin to wonder, and, and God would just challenge us today to trust his plan. I think it's actually really helpful for us to go through difficulties in our life, and we go through them whether we want them or not, but it's important that we go through them because it reminds us of God's goodness and faithfulness and kindness. Over, over the years, my wife and I, over 32 years, almost 32 years of marriage and four kids and all of the things in life that you go through, we've had really good seasons and really difficult seasons, really prosperous seasons and really desperate financial seasons. And what we realize is that God has been faithful through all of that. We look back at the course of our life, we think, oh, we've always had a place to live. And I know that's not true for everybody. But just thinking about God's faithfulness, we've never had our lights or our gas turned off. I know that's not true for everybody. But we just look, we've always had food in the cupboard, and we've always had resource uh, to live on from day to day. And we might only have resource for the day, but we've got resource for the day. And over 32 years, we've just watched God's faithfulness. And, and so those lean times really cause us to be thankful, to reflect on the goodness of God. In this church for 19 years now, um, we've been going and we've planted and we've done all kinds of stuff. And we've had really lean seasons financially and really profitably, you know, uh, affluent seasons or whatever, just you know, where there's enough. And uh, I remember years ago, the bookkeeper would say, hey, we don't have enough for payroll next week. I said, do we have enough for today? Like, do we have enough to keep the doors open and the lights on today? And she said, yes. I said, well, that's all God promised. So let's not worry about tomorrow. <laughs> and we've never missed payroll or missed payments on anything. God's been faithful these last 19 years. And we're seeing that at 102, and we're seeing that just in the day-to-day -day course of our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithful. So let's unpack his good and perfect plan for humanity, humanity today. So again, up, up to this point, we've talked extensively about the new covenant in Christ, defending its superiority uh, compared to the old covenant that, that has ended, the old covenant has ended. Christ's death ratified, confirmed, and authorized the new covenant. The new covenant or the New Testament is the promise that God makes 
with humanity, that he will forgive sin, that he will restore fellowship, that he will be kind and gracious and good to those who confess Jesus as Lord, that he will love us and be with us. For those whose hearts are turned toward him and whose lives belong to him, Jesus Christ is the mediator of the new covenant and his death on the cross is the basis of that promise. And we see that reality throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In Luke twenty-two twenty. 20, after supper, he, Jesus, took another cup of wine and said, this cup, Jesus is speaking, this cup is the new covenant, new covenant between God and his people, an agreement, we read this all the time, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out, as a sacrifice for you. So we look at those verses and we know that Jesus is speaking about what is is coming when he goes to the cross and pours out his blood, his life, so that we might enter into a brand new covenant, a brand new relationship with him. As we learned last week, the new covenant was predicted while the old covenant was still in effect. The prophets, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they all spoke of what was to come. They were speaking about this new covenant. We talked about it last week. There were, there were roughly 300 prophetic words, messages in the Old Testament that point to the birth, the ministry, the life, the sacrifice of the Messiah, Jesus the Lord. We're going to be in Hebrews 9, 16 through 28, the end of the chapter today. And we'll just jump in here in verse 16. It says this. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. Isn't that true? So like my kids, they can't kick me out of my house and take all my stuff until I'm dead, right? They got to wait. They want, they want probably to do it sooner, right? But they can't. They got to wait till I'm dead and then they can have my goods, right? <laughs> they can't do it ahead of time. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that that person who made it is dead. So God's will, (laughs) what is God's will? God's will is God's new covenant. This is his will, his plan. The word will in this verse can be substituted with the word covenant. And the Greek word is diatheke, and that word means covenant, it means testament, it means will. Diatheke means covenant or testament or will. And we'll see in the, we see this word over and over again in, the, in the, this book that we're studying in Hebrews, but we also see it throughout the New Testament, this word diatheke, speaking of God's covenant, his will, his testament, his plans for us, his desires for us, he's got a plan and desires and a will for us. In Hebrews 7.22, it says, because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better diatheke, this covenant with God. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. In Hebrews 8.6, says, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates, and we talked about mediation, he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. So we see the old covenant, the Old Testament, the prophets speaking, foretelling events that will happen hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, 
And then we see in the new covenant, after the life, work, and ministry, and sacrifice of Jesus, we see the writers writing about what happened. So this covenant is the will. This covenant is God's plan. It's God's will and his plan uh, that has been fulfilled at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we see the same word uh, used in our communion uh, verses that we always use, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant, will, testament, diatheke, between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So in the Old Testament, the, the saints of God were saved by the same grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved by in the new covenant. The difference is that the saints of God in the Old Testament were looking forward to what would happen as Jesus the Messiah would come on the scene and make a sacrifice for the sin of all mankind. We in the New Testament, in the new covenant, we're looking back and remembering what Jesus done. So it's the, all of humanity, all of the Bible, all of the, the Old and the New Testament, all it's all about Jesus. Everything points to Jesus and the ultimate work that he would accomplish. And we're reminded about it over and over again in the scriptures. And it's pretty redundant because I think we need it. We need to be, re- we need to be reminded over and over again about this covenant, this good news, this good plan that God has established and made a way for us to experience. Back to Hebrews 9, verse 17, it says, the will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. So it took the death of Jesus to activate the second covenant, the new will and plan, or the eternal will and plan of God. Verse 18 says, this is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commands, or commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. I would encourage you to go back and read Exodus chapter 24 to get the rest of the story. And then I would encourage you to read all of Exodus to get the whole story. Exodus speaks to us about this plan of God to deliver us out of slavery as represented by the people of Israel who were escorted by God's grace out of their slavery, their Egypt, their captivity, their bondage, call it what you will. He escorted them out so that they might enter into the promised land. So it's a picture of God's goodness with his people, escorting us out of bondage and slavery, out of our old life into new life in Christ. It's called being born again. But it's, it's interesting, even as I share that story out of Exodus 15, we, we often forget, and I think that's why the redundancy is so important, we forget and we begin to question or maybe even backslide a little bit. And so God reminds us of his goodness, of his faithfulness, of his kindness, of his plans, of his purpose, his good and perfect plan for our life. So go back and read Exodus. It's just really good to refresh our understanding. In fact, I would encourage you to read all of the Old Testament, read all of the New Testament every year and just be refreshed in the truth of who God is. Verse 21, Hebrews 9 says, and in the same way, 
He sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real thing in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. I love that last part. Those last words, on our behalf. We forget that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus, the Son, is at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. We've learned that he's making intercession for us. He's there for us, defending us as his sons and daughters, as those who have been adopted into his family on our behalf. Why? Because his purpose is redemption. His purpose is to redeem us. Redemption defined is this. It's the purchase back of something that had been lost by the payment of a ransom. And this is exactly what Jesus has done. Mark 10, 45 says for this, says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, to give his life as a ransom for many. This is precisely what God has come to do. To This is part of his good and perfect plan. Number one, God's will is to secure our redemption. <laughs> Hebrews 9.12 says, with, the, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. A few years ago, um, we were in need of some more cats around our property because our cats have died or run away or something like that. So we have gophers and mice and rats and all kinds of stuff outside. And so we needed some more cats to track down the gophers and rats and mice and all that kind of stuff. So we went down to the Humane Society in Santa Maria, and there were two little kittens, the only two kittens that they had, and they were in this little cage, and and one was very skittish, very, did not want to be touched. The other one was very loving and just wanted to be rubbed and picked up and held and that sort of thing. So we paid the price to redeem them out of their circumstance. They had been caged in this little room, and we redeemed them so that they could come live with us forever, as long as, long as they wanted to hang around. It's a picture of God's redemption. We, we were in desperate need of redemption, even if we didn't fully understand that. God, in his goodness, has redeemed us. Now, some of us, maybe like Vic, uh, the skittish cat, are a little bit nervous about, about God. He was nervous about me. It just took him a long time to warm up to me. I think we're a lot like that with God. We're, we're like, we've been redeemed. It's obvious, but we're, 
still skittish about God. We're, we're still uncomfortable with God. We're, sure, we're still unsure about his goodness and about his plan and about the reality of our redemption. Is this real? Is this what God has done? Is this the reality of my life now? And so we've had Vic and Franklin now forever up to just about a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, uh, Vic just disappeared. Just, I don't know what happened, but we haven't seen Vic. But we've been able to redeem another cat. This is the story. <laughs> so this little feral cat that's been hanging around our property, we call him or her, we don't know what it is, bullseye, because on the side of the cat, there's a big bullseye. So that's the name. We had a cat named Gray Rock because the cat was gray and the kids said, said he, looked like, he looks like a gray rock. So that's what the name was. So anyway, that was years ago. Poor Gray is no longer with us. So now... We've, we've been able to redeem this bullseye cat. He used to hide out underneath the car, and I'd put up food out, and Franklin would, of course, come over and eat, and Vic would wait till we disappeared, and then he'd come out and eat as well. Or, excuse me, bullseye would wait, and then he'd come out and eat. Well, over time, he's warmed up to us a little bit, and we'll put out the food, and now he's right there, but he's still skittish of us. But sometimes he's so hungry that he'll just go right for the food, and we'll just get a little rub in, right? And then he's like, ah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And uh, this is what God is wanting to do. He's wanting to show his kindness to us, but we get skittish and we're like, you know, we, we put up our defenses and we want him to stay away. God's desire is to redeem humanity, to rescue us and to give us a new forever home. That's his plan. That's his idea. Because he is good, not because we are good. This is what God does for people. Verse 25, it says, and he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death and sacrifice. What is God's good and perfect will? Number one, God's will is to secure our redemption. And number two, God's will is to remove our sin. Remove it, like completely. Getting rid of it out of our lives, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. It says, but now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. I, I love... Psalm 103, because in Psalm 103, David, he speaks and writes eloquently about the grace of the Lord and the goodness of God. And he writes about it in Psalm 103, verses 3 through 14. This is what David wrote, Old Covenant, Old Testament, before Christ, but he was understanding something of the grace of God. He forgives all my sins, verse 3 says, and heals all my diseases. We all need to have that level of confidence, not in our own righteousness or goodness, but in the righteousness and the goodness of God. We all need to be able to say with confidence, he forgives all my sins. And we're not all there. Some of us think, well, there's still a few that he's thinking about, right? <laughs> he's pondering whether he's gonna forgive that because that was a pretty big deal. But the truth is he forgives all our sins and he heals all our diseases. And there's that word again in verse four, he redeems me from death. If I didn't redeem those cats and nobody else came along to redeem them, they would have been euthanized. 
The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So David knew something about the redemptive power and plan and purpose of God. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. And this is why I encourage, we gotta read the Old Testament. We gotta understand how God was faithful to the people in the days of old. And when we study Hebrews 11, we're gonna read and study about all kinds of people that uh, were faithful to God and who God was faithful to and the heroes of faith. He revealed his character to Moses. God is the same, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's eternal His character is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the things that David writes about are things that we can grab a hold of and believe for our own personal lives. The Lord, verse eight, says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Get this, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. We talked about conscience last week. Remember that? If we understand this truth that is written about in Scripture, our conscience will be clear. But the enemy is a liar and a deceiver, and he's always trying to weigh us down and wear us out with lies and condemnation and and filling our conscience with all kinds of regrets. Jesus has forgiven all of our sins. That's his good and perfect plan for all eternity. Often when I preach on Sunday, I'll get into the week and either Sunday afternoon or Monday or Tuesday or whatever, I'll get, I'll get attacked in whatever area I was preaching about. So if I was preaching about love, it'll be really hard for me to love people that week. <laughs> Speaking about grace, it's gonna be really hard for me to be gracious that week. It's just things happen and the enemy is just a scoundrel and always trying to mess with us. So on Monday and on Tuesday, I was feeling his heaviness, like this condemnation of my soul and spirit. I was like, Lord, what's going on? And uh, so I began to realize that it was just the enemy kind of heap, heaping stuff on me, trying to cloud my conscience. And I'm like, Lord, goodness, would you do battle on my behalf? And I just began to pray that God would lift that and that he would battle for me. And then uh, by Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, I can't remember which, I just felt like, I was like, oh, it's gone. You know, it's like we, are, we wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies. We're in a spiritual battle. So the enemy is trying to rip us off all the time, lying to us all the time. And we've, we've got this God who uh, fills us. The spirit of God fills us as believers. And we've got this power in us to recognize deception and lies and destructive patterns and thinking in order to move forward in victory. And so as soon as I brought God into the equation, there was just clarity, and all of a sudden, the joy of the Lord was my strength. My strength was renewed. The grace of God was on me. I was like, let's just move forward, you know. The enemy's a liar. The enemy's a liar. Don't, Don't get sucked into his constant accusations because God says he will not constantly accuse nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins, verse 10 says. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. (laughs) For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed, get that, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. 
The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Created from dust, we will return to dust. So in the meantime, our bodies are wearing out. We're getting old. If, if, if you looked at a picture of yourself five years ago or 10 years ago, you looked a lot better than you do right now, right? <laughs> we were looking at old pictures and uh, we've got a son getting married in a couple of weeks since we were looking at old pictures and thinking about just kind of reminiscing and thinking. I thought, man, we used to look a lot better than we do now. Jolene, my wife, she's always looked amazing. Um, but me, on the other hand, I, I, th- I had more hair back in the day. <laughs> Holy cow, I, 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 everything, I, I didn't have varicose veins. I got varicose veins. Did you know that guys can get varicose veins? I thought only pregnant women got varicose veins. And all of a sudden, from all my running over the years, I got varicose veins. I'm going to have to go see a vein specialist and get those things taken care of. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> sorry, too much sharing probably. Paul called our bodies tents that are, that are just wearing out, you know. He describes this, you know, these are our tent, our tabernacle that are just wearing out. But thank God, in heaven, we have a new body coming. Whew, new experience, new life. Goodness is coming. <laughs> Verse 27, and just as each person is destined to die. (laughs) There it is. Once, and after that comes judgment. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again. And we need to hear this, not to deal with our sins. Our sins were dealt with on the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. So he's not coming back to deal with our sins. They have been dealt with in Christ. Our sins have been forgiven if we're indeed in Christ, but to bring salvation, that's what he's coming for, uh, to bring salvation to all who eagerly await his coming, to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So what is God's good and perfect will? Number one, God's will is to secure our redemption. Number two, God's will is to remove our sin. And number three, God's will is to bring us into salvation. So there's a Uh, Present salvation and there's a future salvation. Present salvation is us enjoying God right now. (laughs) Enjoying intimacy with God, enjoying his grace, his kindness, and his love. The fruits of his presence in our lives, the fruit of his goodness. So that's the present. The future is the same. It's connected to the present, but it's just what it's going to look like in all eternity when we're not dealing with the world, the flesh, and the devil, temptation, and all the brokenness in this life and in this world. The future salvation is what will come to us at the return of Christ when there's a new heaven and a new earth. I'll just read this, and there's a future salvation. The sum of benefits and blessings which the Christians, redeemed from all earthly ills, will enjoy after the visible return of Christ from heaven in the consummated and eternal kingdom of God. I am looking forward to that. More than I'm looking forward to 102 being done, I'm looking forward, like, like, come quick, Lord. Like, today's fine. If we never get to 102, that's all right. I'm just ready to go. 
We can read in Revelation 21, and I love this passage of scripture in Revelation 21 verses one through seven. I read it at most memorial services because it reminds people of the hope that we have in Christ and what, what we can expect as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks of God's goodness and his perfect plan for us. Revelation 21, one through seven says this, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. That's going to be a good, good day when that happens. This is the future salvation that we have to look forward to. But it all begins right now in the present what does God want to reveal to you about his character right now? Where are you struggling right now? Where are you battling right now? God wants to reveal something of his character like he's been doing for thousands of years through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Something of his character, of his goodness, of his good and eternal plans for us, his good and perfect plans for us. What does God need to reveal to you in your area of darkness in your life, area of doubt in your life, area of struggle, temptation, weakness, whatever? Allow God to shed his light, to bring his strength, to fill you to overflowing with his spirit, to open up your heart and mind to his word so that you can be trained and instructed in righteousness and allow God to lift those burdens off of you. This is what he wants to do. And it's part of the spiritual battle that we're always and forever in. I just talked about what happened to me last Monday and Tuesday. That's part of the spiritual battle. We constantly need the light of God's grace, his word, and his truth to overshadow us, to cover us, to fill us, and give us renewed hope. All the, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Every week, somebody in the congregation has lost someone. Uh, someone in our lives has passed. Um, every week, we go through the heartache of hearing of loss and difficulty and challenge. Man, that's such an earthly problem. It's, it's an earthly problem that we will not experience in heaven and in eternity. Our future salvation's glorious. Verse 5 says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So what is God's good and perfect will? Our redemption. <laughs> the forgiveness of our sins. Salvation. That's, in a macro sense, what life is all about. He's 
showing us who we are, showing us our need for him, leading us in the paths of righteousness. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never experienced redemption. You've never experienced the forgiveness of your sin. Never understood what salvation is all about. We come to faith in Jesus by simply acknowledging all of those things. God, I don't know what redemption is. I'm not even sure I know what sin is, but I know I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. The Bible calls those mistakes sin. Anything that, anything that doesn't meet God's righteous standard is called sin. And where the Bible says all have sinned, all fall short. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if you want that burden, that weight of sin lifted off of you, just welcome God into the middle of your life and say something like this. Let's pray. Say, Lord, I, I need you. I, I don't even know all the reasons why I need you, but I know that I've got an emptiness in me that can't be filled by anything else in this world, and so I, I need you, Lord, to fill this emptiness, to meet me where I am, to forgive all my failures and mistakes, my sin. I need you, Lord. Hmm. With everybody's eyes still closed, as, as, as we declare that, as we make that reality known to God from a tender, sincere heart, God responds. He's just responsive, caring and gracious. And good. And what he does is that he forgives our sin. Then he fills us with his presence. He adopts us into his family, redeeming us, removing our sin, and giving us salvation, new life in him. And that new life starts now. It's called being born again. So if you need that today, just make that your prayer. If you need to talk to somebody after service, there'll be prayer teams up here available. Maybe you're here, though, and you've done that before, and you've been struggling in your commitment to the Lord. You've been struggling um, just in life. But God wants to welcome you and to restore you and to redeem you and to help you and to minister to you. So welcome him into your circumstance. Maybe you're feeling just gnarly and bad about life decisions and circumstances. Let God just heal all of that, restore all of that, and fix all of that. Let him come into your life fully, 100%. Lord, as we hear your word and worship you, God, we just want to reestablish connection with you and give our lives fully to you. God, minister powerfully as we sing and as we worship in Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand as we worship?
and our defender suffered and crucified 